Welcome to Commando On Demand, Insider with Kim Commando, your fast-paced weekly update straight from Kim's desk to your ears. I'm Mike James, and today a special look into the activist and sometimes known as a hacktivist group, Anonymous. I'm sure you've heard of Anonymous. They're famous for cyber attacks, mostly against governments and government institutions. But they've also been known to attack private organizations like the Church of Scientology. They wear those crazy masks with the smiling face. And it's from the movie V is for Vendetta. But today we're going to go behind that mask and reveal just how sinister this group can be and how many there are and a whole lot more information because we have Dr. Gabriella Coleman with us, who's an anthropologist and professor at McGill University and studies hacktivist groups like Anonymous. And by the way, this is not the Kim Commando show on over 400 radio stations nationwide. The podcast version of that show is available and you can try it out for free right now by using promo code Kim at getkim.com. Again, you can listen to all three hours of the nationally syndicated Kim Commando show at getkim.com and use promo code Kim to get your free 30-day trial. All right, just ahead, Anonymous, who they are and what they represent. Next on Commando On Demand Insider. Since our founding in 2000, we at the Center for Internet Security have always had one mission. It's to create confidence in the connected world for people, businesses, and governments. As a nonprofit, we do this by drawing upon our core competencies of collaboration and innovation. The world is changing, cyber threats are evolving, and IT resources are limited. All you want is a way to strengthen your cybersecurity programs efficiently and effectively. Let CIS help you with these efforts. We use a consensus-based process involving IT professionals from around the world to develop and maintain security best practices. These resources are proven to defend systems and data against threats, both on-premises and in the cloud. We also strive to help organizations of every size and maturity strengthen their cybersecurity programs. This includes serving U.S. state, local, tribal, and territorial government organizations. At CIS, we're all about making the connected world a safer place. Visit our website to learn more. So when you hear the word anonymous, I want you to close your eyes. And what exactly do you see? I bet it's that Guy Fawkes mask, that face of Anonymous. And when you start looking at Anonymous, you start hearing about it in the news and online. It has like this mystique about it, this mysterious aura. Like, you know, are these just a group of guys and gals? And what exactly are they doing? And what are their goals? And how do they get to these data breaches? And what really motivates them to do what they want to do, especially now when we are living in this unprecedented time? And joining us here on this podcast, we're so thrilled, we're so lucky to have her, is Gabriella Coleman. She's an anthropologist and a professor at McGill University who actually is an anonymous expert. So, Gabriella, thanks for being here. Um, I guess let's start at the beginning, if you don't mind. How would you define anonymous? Anonymous. I mean, just the name alone, right, uh, presents kind of issues for definition. Who are these people? What what do they do? Um, but, you know, the name has been associated since around 2010 with hacktivism, hackers, and digital activism. And it's a 
name that different groups of people, some of them connected, some unconnected, have used in order to lay claim to all sorts of actions related to uh, assisting in social movements like Occupy and Black Lives Matter to hacking and data breaches. So there's different motivations, right? Different levels. Um, do they get together online to discuss what their next mode will be or their next action item? So generally the movement has been rooted online, um, especially 2010, 11, 12, 13, 14, where groups of people would actually coordinate uh, in chat rooms. And so a lot of people would log into these chat rooms and each room was dedicated to an operation. Um, and everyone would use a pseudonym. Uh, so, you know, a stable nickname, but not one tied to their identity. And then there were secret chat rooms for the hackers who were much smaller in terms of the numbers of people. And then people would also really um, participate on Twitter to publicize actions and try to get people on the chat rooms. Have they done anything like that you know of that has been like really bad? You know, that's um, yes. <laughs> I mean, so a little let's uh, rewind a little bit. You know, before the name was used for hacktivism and hacking and, you know, there were some kind of problematic um, uh, actions in the name of Anonymous. But prior to that era, the name was used almost exclusively for Internet trolling and harassing and pranking. Um, and so it was a name kind of used by Hellraisers to cause havoc on the Internet. And so between 2003 and 2010, um, that's what they would do. They would kind of like target an unsuspecting individual or a radio host and, and prank them. And sometimes it was funny, but sometimes it was not so funny. And so that's why the turn to like hacking and hacktivism um, was such a surprise for people because, you know, how do you go from like trolls who just want to cause havoc to people who want to kind of generally help help the world? It's a very interesting transition. How many people do you think are part of the anonymous group? Any ideas? It's, it's hard to say. Um, you know, during the kind of height of their popularity, there were, you know, probably tens of thousands of supporters of a couple of thousand in different parts of the world who were really active. Um, you know, today we've seen a slight resurgence, but there had been a kind of waning of activity for a number of years. But yeah, because they're anonymous and they had been in chat rooms, some public, some, some secret, it's sort of hard to, to really put a precise number to um, the faceless movement. Yeah, which is, you know, and then speaking of the face, where did that mask come from? Okay, that's a, that's a great question because it also gets us to how they transition from being hellraisers and trolls to, to hacktivists, right? So uh, in 2008, there was a video of Tom Cruise that was leaked to the Internet. I don't know if you – did you see the video where he was like – exuberantly and excessively praising Scientology. Yes. Right? 
Yes. And he's jumping all around, jumping. He was jumping on couches. He was jumping everywhere. Exactly. So that video was leaked to the Internet. Um, Scientology was threatening to sue publishers like Gawker, who, who posted the video online. And Anonymous, the trolls went hard after Scientology. So what did they do? They sent, you know, hundreds of pizzas to different churches. They pranked the Scientology Dianetics hotline. They sent um, faxes of nude body parts, right? And they were doing this just kind of, you know, to sort of make a point about censorship, but also just to cause havoc. And so then some former critics of the church said, you know, okay, you're, you're causing, um, you know, you're, you're gaining a lot of attention by doing this. Why don't you earnestly protest the church who's engaged in human rights abuses? And so people in the chat rooms kind of debated it and decided to organize a global day of street protests in February 10th, 2008. And on that day, they showed up in front of churches and they wanted to protect their faces because they figured that the Scientology members would take high-definition photographs of them and harass them. And so they, they picked the guy Foxmass, sort of, just because it was, you know, an icon and easily available. And there, that's how you got the guy Fox Mask. And that's also the moment where the, some of the trolls started to kind of break away and use the name for political action as well. Oh, so you had like a division of the group itself. That, oh, you did. And, and you know how you asked, has Anonymous done anything bad? Right. Well, when that division happened, the trolls were so mad that they hit epilepsy forums and posted flashing gifts to try to sell. Exactly. That's probably the worst thing that has ever happened under the name because they were trying to yank that name away from the do-gooders. And weirdly, they didn't succeed in part because maybe the group protesting the Church of Scientology, they had their own dedicated sort of operation name. They're like, we're Chinology. Um, so they were able to differentiate, but but that epilepsy forum raid gives you a sense of how fearsome the trolls could be. Yeah, uh, and that's just you know that's just nasty. That's just mean. Oh, it's horrific, right? Yeah, totally, totally horrific. And again, that's why the pivot to activism was a surprise and and a good thing, you know. Um, because the, the trolling, again, it wasn't always that terrible, but it always could tend in that direction, right? So with, with the movement to go into activism, obviously they're no longer totally underground, right? Right. So now with the advent of social media, they're becoming more part of, I, want, I don't want to say society, but of the online communities, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So has that changed the way that the group moves now? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there was a period where the kind of um, obnoxious and terrifying trolling um, waned, but hackers 
took on kind of corporations and governments and were doing some high-risk hacking. So they had to be really secretive. Um, but they were, like, really small compared to the anonymous masses who tended to be, in, you know, interfacing with the public on social media um, and in order to kind of gain their sympathy, right, they had to be more civic-minded, not so obnoxious, right? Um, and but you had to grow up just a little bit, right? <laughs> exactly. And actually, as, as they moved to activism, some old-time digital activists and hacktivists joined the younger folks, right? And that changed things quite a bit. Um, so, you know, in different moments, in different eras, there's been these shifts that have kind of happened with Anonymous, but it's hard to sort of notice them from the outside unless you're sort of following them very closely. Okay, so that brings us to today. Okay, so the Anonymous Twitter accounts, which is at your Anon Central, um, I read that at the end of May they had like 170,000 followers, which, you know, really isn't that much for you would think for this group Anonymous. And then it just grew to like over 5 million in like a couple of weeks, maybe even a couple of days. I'm not sure. And then your Anon News jumped from 1.5 million followers to 6.5 million followers. Okay. Um, you know, I don't know about your Twitter account, but, you know <laughs> – I mean, I've been I've been sitting at like sixty thousand followers for like a year, you know. Uh, how did yeah. how did that happen? And I mean, are they bots? Are they buying followers? Or are these like genuine, real, you know, human beings? Right. Yeah. No. It was a, it was a dramatic, dramatic jump, and along with a huge number of new followers some of which are authentic, some of which are not. There were a lot of new accounts that were also created. Um, again, some of which were fake, some of which were not. And then a lot of their their tweets, I mean, the, the number of retweets was just astronomical. And so, you know, my understanding is that uh, they were able to take command of certain accounts um, and direct them to their account and also create fake followers. But at the very same time they were doing that, they were also interfacing with the Korean pop fan world, which we'll talk about in a moment. And, and they were kind of advertising and calling attention to Black Lives Matter. And a lot of those accounts also started to follow Anonymous as well. And so between the two, you get like this huge explosion of followers. Okay, see, and this is where I never would have seen two worlds collide. Because <laughs> oh, you, you yeah. have Anonymous and you have K-pop, which is a group of people who follow Korean pop stars, and they post short videos or what's called fan cams. Okay, I didn't know what any of this was, so I actually had to read up on it because, <laughs> you know, I've never seen K-pop in my entire life until, you know, just about a week ago. And it's okay if I don't see it again, by the way. Um, <laughs> it's just not my thing. But how did those two paths meet? that they 
met is that a portion of the K-pop network, which is apparently huge, and that network is really, really good at making certain hashtags trend or things go viral, a, a certain group of them were involved in protest activity in different parts of the world. And so that kind of block became interested in Anonymous, who also was very interested in, in protests. And the protests that really brought them together were the ones going on and still are going on here in the United States with Black Lives Matter, right? Um, and so basically one K-pop account uh, tweeted a video, anonymous video, that was, you know, getting people, um, you know, informing people about the current protests. And that um, tweet went viral. And then that that tweet also tweeted, like, a history of Anonymous as well. It was incredible. So how, wait, wait, how many followers do, like, these K-pop stars have? I mean, it's, some of them have a lot, others don't have all that many, but they're, like, millions of accounts. So part of their size has to do with the number of fans, as opposed to just simply having a few large accounts. Right. I see. Yeah. Okay. All right. I'm following you. Yeah. And then, and they're good at coordinating with each other. Hey, don't forget, if you've got a question about something digital, you can get Kim's unbiased advice and it's advice that you can trust. America's digital pro Kim Commando and our nationally syndicated radio show. You just go to commando.com and in the upper right hand corner, click on the be a caller button. We're going to ask you your name and for a couple of details about your question. And then Manny will get in touch with you. We'll set up a time where you can be on the show, ask your question on the show. It is fun. You can call your friends and let them know that you're going to be on the show. And that's, again, the Be a Caller button in the upper right at commando.com. Hey, just ahead, more of Kim's conversation with Gabriella Coleman, who's an expert on the hacking group Anonymous, including the messages that they've been representing recently and how social media companies might be able to control their message if they wanted to. That's just ahead on Commando On Demand Insider. Since our founding in 2000, we at the Center for Internet Security have always had one mission. It's to create confidence in the connected world for people, businesses, and governments. As a nonprofit, we do this by drawing upon our core competencies of collaboration and innovation. The world is changing, cyber threats are evolving, and IT resources are limited. All you want is a way to strengthen your cybersecurity programs efficiently and effectively. Let CIS help you with these efforts. We use a consensus-based process involving IT professionals from around the world to develop and maintain security best practices. These resources are proven to defend systems and data against threats, both on-premises and in the cloud. We also strive to help organizations of every size and maturity strengthen their cybersecurity programs. This includes serving U.S. state, local, tribal, and territorial government organizations. At CIS, we're all about making the connected world a safer place. Visit our website to learn more. Welcome back to Commando on Demand Insider. It's Kim's conversation with Gabriella Coleman, who's an expert on the group Anonymous. And back to it. Here's Kim. 
And now it wasn't, yeah, okay, one of these videos, didn't they use the mask and they put it on a body or something like that? Well, well, this is the funny thing is as they were kind of, you know, advertising Black Lives Matter and, and getting people to care about this issue, K-pop fans were fanning on Anonymous as if Anonymous were like rock stars, right? <laughs> And then they were exactly um, remixing. They would take a video of a K-pop star with a hot body and then put a Guy Fox mask on it and, like, lots of hearts, you know? <laughs> and that was, I mean, that was funny on many different levels, one of which is, I mean, Anonymous has a very strong anti-celebrity ethic, actually. While it's okay to bring fame to the collective, you should never bring fame to individuals, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so that to have a kind of celebrity fan network um, fawn on them is a little bit ironic and funny as well. Okay, so what messages were was Anonymous trying to get across with K-pop or vice versa? They were trying to um, showcase police brutality. They were, you know, giving a big middle finger to Trump in the case of Anonymous and the cops. They were showcasing um, protest footage as well. And so in this case, sort of general support of the protests. And then there was some activity directed at police departments as well um, to try to take down their websites. And then... Uh, as we'll talk about maybe in a moment, K-pop had some really, really interesting little social media hacks as well that, that they helped coordinate against, um, yeah, police action. They did? Yeah. So there was, for example, um, the Dallas Police Department had an app called iWatch, and they were trying to get people who were not protesters but those who were kind of against the protesters to film the protesters and then upload it to iWatch. Oh. So K-pop just flooded iWatch with, you know, fan videos instead. Just to take it down or, you know. Exactly. So not to let anybody actually have access. You know, it's fascinating to me that, that you could take a collection of people uh, and have this coordinated attack and really have it, you know, really make an impact in what's really going on in real life when all this is happening in a virtual world. That's right. Um, it's, it's really astounding when you think about the power of these various Twitter accounts and, and really the damage that they could do and they continue to do, and I'm sure that they do do it. That's right. Is there is is there any way that Twitter or would actually be able to come in and control this? They could um, certainly, you know, in theory, they could ban certain hashtags. Hashtags definitely um, is you know the conduit by which people uh, learn about the action and get involved, right? So that's one thing they can do. They can also, you know, eliminate accounts, um, and that's another way. And, you know, in this case, I don't think that they wanted to. 
Um, but certainly ISIS, for example, in 2015, had huge social media presence. Um, and they were able to kind of increase their numbers. So they use it for recruitment. They use it for fear. They posted, you know, spectacular violent videos. And I don't know if you remember that. There was like a period of time you could come across these beheadings, right? Oh, gosh. It was, I was, that was horrible. It was horrible. I mean, I, it was, and because it's one of these things when you see that you're like, okay, I can't unsee that. That's right. You know, really, actually, when that was going on, I was like, you know, I, I'm not even going to go on the service. You know, I right. know, you you know, your fans, listeners of the show, whatever, you can be there. But I personally just, you know, I don't want to be any part of this. So um, Twitter did take down a lot of accounts and there was a kind of coordinated action in order to stamp that out. And sure enough, it wasn't that ISIS was just like, oh, we don't want to use uh, Twitter anymore. Like they very actively stamped that out. Right. So they do have the power to do that if they want to. And that's the question. Do they really want to? Because then you get, you know, you open up this whole uh, bag of worms at that point. If you love the digital lifestyle and love keeping up with all the breaking tech news and security alerts and data breaches so you can tell your friends and family kind of what's going on and what to watch out for, we've got you covered with the Commando newsletters. They keep you right up to date, and you can get yours at commando.com, which is K-O-M-A-N-D-O. And on the top, click on the Get the Newsletter button, and it's a double opt-in. So we'll send you an email to make sure that you want the newsletters, and then you got them. We've got also specialty newsletters about Apple and Android Many, many others, including The Current, which is just what it says. It keeps you up to date on what's going on, and there is no advertising in The Current. It is read it just as you get it. And again, that's at commando.com, K-O-M-A-N-D-O.com. Try it out and see if you like it. We believe you will. It's at commando.com, K-O-M-A-N-D-O. Just ahead, more of Kim's conversation with Gabriella Coleman, the expert on anonymous, including the future of anonymous or what she thinks that holds and how you can help stop the spread of their sensational messages. That's next on Commando On Demand Insider. At The Home Depot, we're dedicated to helping you build the skills that get your home projects done right. That's why we offer free and interactive online DIY workshops. During the live streams, our knowledgeable associates help you tackle your DIY projects no matter your age or skill level. You can learn how to install new single pole switches, as well as standard duplex and GFCI outlets. Register for free at homedepot.com slash workshops. The Home Depot, how doers get more done. Welcome back to Commando On Demand with Kim's conversation with Gabriella Coleman and all about Anonymous. Here now again is Kim. So where where do you see the hacktivists going now? You know, what's interesting is that there hasn't actually been all that much hacking, like breaking into a computer system either to, let's just say, put a new image on um, the public-facing website. That's a website defacement or, you know in a more kind of hardcore way, entering into a system to take data to leak it. You know, there there have been a few little attempts, but there haven't been many 
big attempts. And that activity has always been more fringe because it's so high risk, right? It means fully illegal. And so I think it will be interesting to see whether there's a resurgence of that in the next three, six to nine months, right? There's so much political activity. So many people are home. A lot of people are disaffected, right? Right. It's a totally different climate environment that we're all living in over, you know, That's right. since March. So, you know, that activity might surge again. But again, since it's so risky, it would it would have to happen. You know, it'll, it'll come as a surprise, right? No one's going to pre-announce that. No, they're not going to. And no, it's not. Like, okay, here's what we're going to be doing if you want to follow us. Um, so what do you think Anonymous is going to – I guess it's probably hard to say this, but do you think Anonymous is going to have a role as our elections start you know, heating up a little bit, as if they're not already hot now, but as they get hotter? I mean, they might, and if if they don't, certainly the online world will. Between the disinformation that's going to come barreling down uh, from, well, barreling down from you know places like Russia, but also coming from the ground up as well, right? Um, and so I think there's going to be a lot of, of noise and activity online, right? It's going to be as intense as, you know, we've seen with street protesters. It's a battleground out there, right? So it's really important that when you start seeing this stuff online, you know, don't just retweet it. That's right. Because it sounds it sounds right or it sounds legit or it's something like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe this. You guys aren't going to believe this either. Exactly. It's just really just take a step back, do a Google search, and also consider the source. Because if the account only has three followers, okay, it's it's a big red flag that that account was probably just just made for this purpose. Exactly. And so you you have to really pay attention. Um, what other what other advice can you pass along, Gabrielle? I mean, I think. Trusted news sources are key, right? I mean, you already mentioned that. It's really, really important to corroborate. And, of course, I mean, social media is still great for organizing and getting your word out, right? But we are still operating in a landscape where we don't have great mechanisms, right, Um, to differentiate truth from lies or partial lies, right? Um, and that won't be resolved by November. It's just going to get crazier and crazier. Exactly. And and more and more people are going to say, I'm online, and but guess what? Because I'm not working. I've got a lot of time. That's right. Okay. <laughs> so, so just uh, be careful. Take a deep breath. Hey, Gabriella, thank you so much for giving us some really valuable insight into Anonymous and how it works and what's been going on on Twitter because – I I think a lot of people, they they see the mask and they freak out without really knowing what's behind it. No, that's right. And it is. It's a kind of confusing entity, right? And what what is so fascinating is that they are not always trustworthy themselves, right? I'm not saying that. But they did emerge at a time where there was less noise and chaos. But in a post-2016 world on Twitter, right, right? 
it is a lot of disinformation and a lot of chaos, and it really, really pays to go slow, verify your sources, and and know that that's a kind of not only a place for information, but also a battlefield as well. It's interesting. Never thought of Twitter as a battlefield, but you know, you're exactly right. Gabriel, once again, thank you so much for joining us. Fabulous information. It was my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Our special thanks to Dr. Gabriella Coleman, who is an anthropologist and professor at McGill University and studies activist groups such as Anonymous. And don't forget, if you love this content, don't forget to subscribe. You'll get these downloaded to your device every single week automatically. And thank you for listening. We'll see you next time on Commando On Demand Insider. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Some places take you away. Some bring you together. Marathon does both. Marathon is Florida's family key with something for everyone. You'll find museums and wildlife refuges, wide open beaches, miles of warm, clear water, and the historic Seven Mile Bridge. For more about Marathon and the latest safety protocols, visit flakeys.com slash marathon.